0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a habit of inviting Jesus into your moment-by-moment, day-by-day work and activities? Do you press into Jesus, looking to see him move on your behalf and on the behalf of others? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 2 and look at this amazing principle of pressing into Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all are doing well and just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. We say it over and over and over. There is, uh, there's nothing in this life of more value, of more importance, um, than just growing to know Jesus Christ, growing to know him as your Lord, your savior, your master, your king, your friend. Growing in uh, relationship and intimacy with Jesus is is the meaning of life. Um, So we just thank you and we praise you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, above all, we thank you for the Son of God, our Lord and Savior and Master and King Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for living a perfect life for us and for dying a perfect death for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures, the living word of God. We commit this time into your hands, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, last time we uh, we finished uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And so today, um, we're going to move into chapter 2. Um, verses 1 through 11 is a very famous story on Jesus changing water to wine. And I don't know how far we'll get in it today, um, but that's where we're going to go. So... Uh, John chapter 2 verses uh, 1 through 11. There are just tremendous principles um, in this account. It's Jesus's first miracle um, and it, there's just so much to be learned on all sides in this in this teaching. So again, we're going to get into it um, and take note of how we study the scriptures. Remember, Romans 15.4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us and instruct us. So when we read a story like this, we're not just reading it so, you know, so that we can have an interesting story and just see something neat that happened 2,000 years ago. We want to see what's in here to instruct us, to teach us. Again, Romans 15.4 says everything that was written in the past was written to teach us and instruct us. Oftentimes when we read our Bible, we just read the words, we read what happened, but we're not looking what's here to teach us. Um, Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in principle, how we see Jesus behave here and act here and respond here in principle is, is how it will be in our lives. Hopefully that makes sense. So We're going to go ahead and read it, and we will get rolling. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. but you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, when again, when we, when we come to this story again, it's, it's a tremendously exciting story. There are principles in this story that are overwhelming. Right, um, and we're going to talk about these principles, and I think the the main principle and what we'll, you know, um, we're going to talk about today, um, and maybe we'll even title this message "Pressing In to Jesus," pressing into Jesus, because we're going to see um, Jesus's mother Mary here press into Jesus, and you know we're gonna see him move um, in spite of the fact that that he tries to deter her, right? Um, so we'll get to that at um, at verses four and five. Verse one. on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there. Um, it is interesting that John is very specific um, when it says on the third day, Um, If we went back to the last chapter, remember there were no chapters, you know, when John wrote this book. Um, So, you know, in biblical times, that day would have counted as one. So for us, it would be like two days later is how we would say that. And if you go back into chapter one and see where he says the next day and the next day, this would be the third day. Um, But for us, that would mean, you know, like two days later right? Um, and again, John is very specific about the time that it happened. Um, here he says specifically on the third day, um, and, but down on verse six, when he's talking about the the water jars, he says between 20 to 30 gallons. So you'll see there's sometimes that John is very specific and sometimes he's not, um, There is a principle there when I was studying this, Charles Spurgeon made a point from this, that when we know the specifics, you know, we ought to speak them. We ought to speak the truth of the the specific things that we know to be true. But if we're not certain, we ought not speak as if we are certain. And these are mistakes that I have made and most of us have made, right? We just want to be truthful to the facts that we know. A wedding in Jesus's time was uh, uh, was the biggest of all celebrations. It was just a time of, of tremendous celebration and it and it had just um, the, the quality of the wedding had a, had a had immense consequences, good and bad on the one throwing the wedding. Um, and so when you see that it says that the wine is gone, to us that seemed doesn't seem like a big deal in our in our day and age but in Jesus's time to run out of wine would have been an absolutely humiliating thing to happen at a wedding for the one host in the wedding for the one hosting the wedding and people would have remembered it for the rest of their lives and and even slighted the individual for the rest of their lives so when when it says that the wine is gone and they have no more wine, everyone would have understood that it was a it was a serious deal, right? Again, to us it doesn't seem like that big a deal. You know what's the big deal? Let's just continue to have fun together without without having wine. But in Jesus's time, it 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 represented a, a tremendous irresponsibility. Now there could have been uh, several reasons that uh, perhaps the uh, the ones throwing the wedding didn't um, didn't know how many guests would come or, uh, or perhaps they were just, uh, they didn't have a lot of money and they couldn't afford a lot more wine. And so they just tried to get by. But in any case, um, a wedding was a huge deal and to have everything perfect for the wedding was just a tremendous deal in Jesus's day. It says in verse two, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Um, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Um, whatever we do in our lives, the greatest thing about this wedding, this wedding will go down in history as maybe the greatest wedding that ever happened. And why is that? Because Jesus was invited to the wedding. We ought to invite Jesus to everything we do. We ought to invite Jesus into literally everything we do. When Jesus is with us, when Jesus is at this wedding, and when Jesus is with us in whatever we're doing, whatever we're doing, or wherever we're going, or whomever we're with, it's always going to be better if Jesus is a part of it, if Jesus is there. Right. Um, and so it tells us that Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse three, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, again, we've already spoken about this and, and really what a, uh, just, uh, A tremendous embarrassment and humiliation this would have been for the one host in the wedding. Um, And you notice that Mary, Jesus' mother, where does she go, right? She could have won a lot of places, right? When we have a problem in our lives, and if you notice that this is not even Mary's problem, right? This is not Mary's wedding, um, these aren't Mary's children, right? Um, but Mary is concerned about the situation, even though it's not her problem. And where does she go when she has the problem? So there are several principles there, right? When, you know, for most of us, oftentimes, and it's certainly true for all of us, our biggest concerns are our own problems, our own difficulties. But Mary here, Right. There is a problem and it's not her problem, but she's looking to see what she can do, you know, to to help and to fix the problem. Right. And where does she go when she has a problem? Again, she could have went to a lot of places, but she goes to Jesus. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Where do you go when you have a problem? Where do you go when something's going on in your life? Or in the life of somewhere else, someone else, right? Most of us, we, you know, we try to, we try to solve the problem in every manner and in every way. Without Jesus, right? Um, if we're candid, we try to fix our issues, and it's not until we've exhausted almost everything else that then we will go to Jesus and lay our problem before Him, right? But Mary knows that there's somebody at the wedding that can do something about this. Mary knows that her son Jesus is there and that he has the power to do something about this. Jesus Christ is God. He's all-powerful, God the Son. Whatever your issue is today or whatever my issue is today, Jesus has the power and the authority, and the capability to handle it in a thought, in a word, okay? When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Look at verse four. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Jesus clearly puts her off, right? Jesus clearly is telling her, you know, this isn't my deal. This has nothing to do with me. Um, Jesus would have known that it was a a very bad situation. But when he says, "Why do you involve me?" he's basically saying, "You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a I'm not a wine salesman. You know, I'm not someone. I mean, go to those who who sell wine. This has nothing to do with me." Um, and so when he asks her, "Why do you involve me?" he's saying, you know. This has nothing to do with me, right? And then he puts her off a second time when he says, my time has not yet come. So he's saying, I understand what you're asking me to do. And certainly she knows who he is and he has the power to make a difference and to do something. But he tells her now is not the time. You would have thought that Mary would have said, like pretty much all of us would have said, well, Jesus, I understand. Thank you anyway. Right. And walked away. And if Mary does that, surely this, this miracle and this blessing does not come to pass. Right. But Mary, Mary's not, Mary's not going to take no for an answer. Remember we talked about pressing into Jesus, right? Right. Whatever's going on in your life right now or in the lives of others, are you pressing into Jesus, right? Are you really bringing it to Jesus and talking to Jesus about it and praying to Jesus about it and, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus, kneeling before Jesus, right? Jesus may, what we can see here is Jesus may on your first several attempts or on your first attempt, he may do to you or do to me what he did to Mary here and say, you know what, you know now is not the time and this is not something I'm gonna get involved with. What we're seeing here is that we may not get the answer we want right away from Jesus, right? Um, was this the answer Mary was looking for? When Jesus comes to Mary, um, I'm sorry, when Mary goes to Jesus and says they have no more wine, Was she wanting him or expecting him to say, dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. That's clearly not what she was looking for. Okay. Um, She's looking for Jesus to help her and to help the situation. She knows and she knows Jesus knows that the situation is serious, that this will be a tremendous embarrassment and humiliation that will always be remembered for the ones throwing this wedding, right? Um, And the ones hosting this wedding. And so look at verse 5. Mary is completely undeterred by by Jesus' explanation that this has nothing to do with him. And more than that, it's not time for him to get involved and do things like this. Look at verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. That is the single greatest advice in the history of the world, right? If you're a mother today, the greatest advice you can give to your children is what Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. You see that? Do whatever Jesus tells you, okay? Doing what Jesus tells us is the most important advice That we can ever give or receive from anyone. What is Jesus telling you today? Well, the first thing he's telling you is to believe in him. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Now, when the Bible says to believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean to give intellectual assent that Jesus existed. To believe in Jesus means to trust in Jesus, to rely on Jesus, to have your full faith and confidence in Jesus, to forgive you of your sin, to save you from your sin, and to bring you to heaven when you die. The first and most important thing we do is to, is to give our lives to Jesus Christ, to put our full faith and trust and reliance and confidence in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our soul and the entrance and for us to go to heaven when we die. okay? So have you done that today? Romans 10:13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. okay? Now it's not the words that save you, Okay, it's the words of the vehicle we use, but it's it's Christ that saves you and it's Christ that saves me. And we get saved. We come into relationship with Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Right. When we when we believe the Bible, the word of God that says we are all sinful people, that every human being is sinful and that because of our sin, we we fall short of God's holy standard. Romans 3.23 says that every human being is sinned and falls short of God's holy standard. And out of that place, knowing that we are sinful, knowing that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves, knowing that we are hopeless, okay? We then run to Jesus, right? We run to Jesus, placing all our belief and faith and confidence and trust, right, Lauren, in him alone, in Jesus alone to save us, right? Believing that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for you and died a perfect death for you and believing that he is indeed alive and risen and knowing that he he was tortured for you and gave his life for you. And then out of that desperation, knowing your desperate need of him, You run to him, and out of this, you call on Jesus, right? And ask him, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinful person. I confess I cannot save myself. But Jesus, I believe that you came into this world for me and lived a perfect life for me, and you died on the cross a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen, and therefore, Lord Jesus, I do ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. So when it says do whatever Jesus tells you, that's, that is the foundational and first and most important thing we do which is to believe in Jesus, to believe on Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to know that that he is our only hope and can save us and will save us if we put our full faith, trust, and confidence in him. But after that, we want to spend the rest of our lives doing the same thing. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So as a Christian today, right, what is Jesus telling you to do, right? How do you know what Jesus is telling you to do? Well, the first play, the first way you know is by reading the scriptures, right? When you read the Bible, you're reading the living word of God, right? In the New Testament, the words in red in the Gospels are the very words of Jesus, but the entire Bible is the living word of God. So when you obey your Bible, you're doing what Jesus has told you to do. Right. So are you spending time in your Bible today? Are you spending time in the scriptures today? Right. And when you, when you, when you read the scriptures, right. And you see something and you see something that's, that's out of place. Like, let's say you've read this story so far. Right. And you see how, how Mary goes to Jesus and says you know they have more wine when you have a need or when you have a struggle when you have a problem do you go to Jesus and say Lord Jesus I'm you know this is what's going on in my life and this is the struggle or when someone else like for Mary's going on behalf of other people do you go to Jesus when those in your life and in your circle and those in your family and those in your relationship with your friends are struggling do you go to Jesus and petition Jesus on behalf of your friends right and so when you read the scriptures, right, to say, do whatever he tells you, right, when you look into the word of God, right, you want to you wanna obey what we see in the scriptures, right? So here, you know, we're going to emulate Mary because we see that Jesus is going to move on behalf of Mary. But not only that, we see that, you know, when Jesus puts her off, or pushes her away, basically, to say, this is not something that 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 I'm going to be involved with. Why are you asking me to be involved in this? And, you know, my time has not yet come. It's so interesting. It's not time for me to do this, right? It's amazing because Mary's not interested in, in, in Jesus's time, right? We've often heard, um, you know, and it's certainly been my experience that, you know, that Jesus will move and does things on his timetable. Well, what's remarkable about this is that um, is he moves up his timetable because of Mary's persistence. Right? This is just a tremendous insight here. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Okay. So Mary's not, Mary's not concerned about his time. He says, My time is not yet come. She's not even, she didn't even pay attention to it, it seems like right? You know, she's coming to him and say, well, now needs to be your time. So do you see how Mary presses in to Jesus? How Mary's just just zealous about this? There are times, and I've said this already, but if we will continue to press into Jesus more and more and more and more, we can move up the timetable of Jesus by, by, by our fervent and dedicated prayer. And diligence in seeking him and seeking his hand and seeking his face, right? When we seek his hand, we're seeking a blessing for him to do something. But we also want to seek his face, right? Just be with him and spend time with him and hang out with him, right? Golly. Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, wow! A gallon is what eight pounds. So what? 30 gallons would be what 240 pounds. Not not, you know. Not to mention, you know what? uh, How much the 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 big water jars weighed, right? So these are tremendously heavy jars, right? Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now think about, there are just several principles here. Um, and we're going to go ahead and end here and we'll finish this up next time. Um but imagine you're one of the servants, right? And you understand the desperation of the situation. They have no more wine. The wine is gone. Okay. Again, everyone everyone in that culture knew that this is a uh, you know this is a big deal. This is a massive problem and a potential huge humiliation, right, uh, for the ones hosting the wedding. Um, and there are servants there, and the servants have been told, do whatever Jesus tells you, right? Now, it's easy for us to do what Jesus tells us to do when it makes sense, right? When it's logical, when it makes sense, right? Yeah, I just, I, I need to do what Jesus tells me to do. Now, even sometimes then, it's, it's not easy, but at least it makes sense, right? I know why I need to do it. But sometimes Jesus may ask you to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense, Right? Look at this. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. We're not told how exactly they did it, right? But this is not a slow process, right? They didn't have a hose, right? We don't know how far they were from a water supply. Um. This could have been a, a two, three, four. We don't know how long a process this was. This could have taken hours and hours and hours. Um, we don't know if there was a water supply close by, right? And you know if they would have gone and taken you know gallon buckets and walked by and you know poured them in there, right? So you know we don't know how many servants there are, but you know let's say there's three servants, right? And there's six stone water jars, right? And let's say they are 30 gallons a piece, right? So if you had a gallon bucket um, and there were six servants, each servant would have to fill two of these huge stone water jars. So each servant is having to do 40 to 60 gallons. What is that? 40 to 60 trips, right? With uh, with a one-gallon bucket. But, but here's the thing. This is why it takes faith to do whatever Jesus tells you to do sometimes. If, if I was one of the servants, and regrettably, I confess this, I very well might have said to Jesus, May, um, Lord, um, I, I don't know if you heard the lady, but it's, it's wine that they're out of, They they got plenty of water. But she said they have no more wine. You see what I'm saying? Jesus doesn't tell the servants what he's going to do. This is a long, strenuous process, right? Um, They're in kind of a hurry here to get some wine because it's all gone. What if they spend, I mean... What if they spend, you know, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, fill in these jars with water for what? It's wine that we need. You see that? Again, I, I very well. And I, there are times in my life where Jesus has has told me to do something or instructed me to do something. But I. Uh, you know. It didn't make sense to me. Right. Now. If the servants don't do what Jesus says, obviously we don't have this miracle. Y'all see that? If the servants do not obey Jesus, we don't get this miracle. If the servants say, "Yeah, man, um yeah, it's that we have plenty of water. We are in desperate need of wine. So no, I can't take 2 or 3 hours right now or whatever time it's going to take to go to go fill these things with water because it's wine we need, Jesus. You notice how few the words are. Jesus said to the servants, what? Five words. Fill the jars with water. When Jesus explains us or tells us to do something, right? That not explains to us because he often doesn't give an explanation, right? When he asks us to do something, right? Our job is to simply obey Jesus, right? Like these servants. We want to be servants that obey Jesus and do what he asks us to do, whether it makes sense or not. Now, when Jesus told them in verse 7, fill the jars with water, he didn't tell them how far to fill them. You would have thought that they might have filled them a third of the way, or halfway, or something, right? Just to be done with it. But it says so. They filled them to the brim. You know, he didn't tell them to do that, but we, everything we do in Jesus Christ, we ought to do to the brim, right? Again, I was studying St- uh, Charles Spurgeon, and you know, just paraphrasing, we ought to we ought to love Jesus to the brim. We ought to serve Jesus to the brim, right? Um, we ought to praise Jesus. To the brim, right? We ought to do everything in Jesus Christ to the full, right? Like these servants did. Um, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. And we're going to finish it up the next time, but you know how the story goes. It's, it's just going to be an incredible story, right? Um, again, it took faith for the servants to fill these jars with water it took faith for Mary to press in but that's 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 the that's the call of God on our lives is to press into Jesus and to keep pressing into Jesus even when it doesn't make sense right we want to do whatever he tells us well father we do thank you for your word we thank you for the scriptures we thank you for For your mercy and goodness in our lives, Lord Jesus, we do we do invite you into our lives today. We invite you into all the details of our lives, Lord, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, and relationally. We just invite you in, Lord Jesus. Um, Lord, we ask you to lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit. We ask you to lead us to press into Jesus. Whenever we have problems or, or those in our lives have problems or difficulties, or when things are well, Lord, help us to just press into you and to invite you into all things, into into wonderful ceremonies like a wedding, Jesus. We want you to be a part of it, Lord. We know, Lord Jesus, when you're a part of something, everything will be better. And Lord Jesus, when you, when you don't answer us right away or when you tell us your time has not yet come or... You're not involved in this, Lord. We we ask you to help us to press in, to truly press in as uh, as Mary did, Lord, and to see you 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 move on our behalf, or in this case, on behalf of others. Lord, we ask you to to uh, to help us to have the heart of these servants, Lord, to be servants that are willing to serve you, Lord, and to do whatever you tell us and to repent where we have fallen short of that. And Lord, we ask you especially to help us to to serve you, even when it doesn't make sense to us, Lord. Help us to continue to serve you, Lord Jesus, and to love you, to praise and worship you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now. We ask you to seal these scriptures to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.